tired. So tired. Overtired. Welcome to episode 203 of Overtired with Brett Terpstra. That's me and Christina Warren. How's it going, Christina? Well, I've been having uh, I've been having some tech issues for the last mm, like 36 hours. So that's definitely keeping me up and frustrated at night. But uh, other than that, pretty good. How about you, Brett? Well, I've been having my own tech issues, but only for the last like two hours. So... We'll, we'll we'll set aside a section of the show because we're going to start with some Taylor Swift stuff that I I have a surprising amount to say about it, but I don't want it to be the good. Whole show. Oh my god! Yeah, so, no. Let's start with this because because I, I sent you this. So so give give, give people the, the the backstory because I texted you this. I did not know what your response was going to be, and I still don't. So um okay. So on Wednesday, I got a text from Christina that just said, "Must watch for the pod." And it was a link to a YouTube video titled, I designed a Taylor Swift theme park with 60 plus attractions. And it was a half hour long video and I groaned. I believe my response was, good Lord. And yes, I, uh, I put off watching it until today. Until the day we were going to record. Then I'm like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta do my homework and watch this video. And it ended up being a a very soul searching experience for me because like my first reaction was this guy is insane. Um, <laughs> th- th- there should be like medical intervention here. And then over the course of watching it two more times, I realized that I have this very gen X, like I'm not allowed to like anything. It's against the rules for me to be excited about anything. It is uncool to like things. And that's my whole generation. That's where, that's how we approach all new things. And I realized I don't love that. I, I don't, I don't want that to be my legacy. So I'm going to look at this. Let's pretend this guy is my kid. Let's pretend I have a kid who's displaying this amount of creativity, this amount of passion about something. There's no way I wouldn't love it. And so I kind of, I watched it again with the kind of the perspective of this kid is like crazy creative, super going, like his attention to detail on this is, is, it's frightening, but it's, it's impressive. And ultimately I came out with a bunch of notes about my favorite parts of it. So what did you think, Christina? I'm a millennial who was, was told that everything um, that, I feel and do is valid and that I should be special. Um, even though, uh, I have been telling my shrink <laughs> since I was 19 years old that I wanted to write a book called you are not special. Um, uh, you know, a love letter to my generation. Um, I, uh, I obviously didn't, I, I didn't grow up with that whole perspective of like, you have to hate everything. In fact, I think that, um, not to the same extent that Gen Z, which this kid, is uh but you know we we tend to like things and embrace things a lot so my my take was i was just like this is so creative this is so insane i was with you when i first when i saw it on twitter i was like oh i'm gonna watch this and then i I saw it was like 30 minutes and i was like god damn i i love taylor swift i love what this does but this is 30 minutes this is gonna be a lot so i found time to do it and, and then i was like okay i'm i'm here for all of this this is genius and I just wanted, I want somebody to like make it in like The Sims or Roller Coaster Tycoon or, you know, something yeah, like right. that. Okay. So it starts out with 
uh, well, he goes through the whole, like, the entrance to the park and everything. But one of the first things he talks about is uh, the Bad Blood Swift Cycle. Like, it's a ride where you're actually on the motorcycles from Bad Blood. And that immediately, that's a good idea. That is, like, certain certain Taylor songs, or certain Taylor videos, I should say, were kind of made for adaptation into theme park rides. Really? It gets way more abstract from there. But he, there were touches. The Stay, Stay, Stay Hotel was great. Yes. He had these little Easter eggs. And uh, he talked about, I, this is a thing I didn't know existed, but Taylor's Inner Circle, this group of people that apparently have all of her albums well in advance and uh, all the B-sides and everything, whatever. But he hid like a, a circle. There's just a, It's just a circle in, in the theme <laughs> yeah, park. It's just a circle for them. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. That represents... Taylor's inner circle. Some of it was a bit on the nose, but um, I had a question. At one point, he he has an attraction that starts out with a live spelling bee where you learn that spelling is fun. What is that a reference to? So in the single me that came out in uh, 2019 with Brandon Yuri, that the, the fandom universally hated the song wasn't that successful. Uh, there was initially an interstitial in the song where she was like, Hey kids, spelling is oh fun. <laughs> and, 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 and then they go, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, and, and then they sort of like spelling, you know, words out because you, you know, uh, cause you can't spell awesome without me, you know? Uh, and so that's what that's a reference to. But what was funny is that she clearly heard the feedback from the fans who were very vocal about hating that or, or making fun of that interstitial because regular people don't care. It was Stan Twitter and Tumblr that was like just, you know, and honestly not even like vocally hating on it so much, just like like making memes and making fun of it. Uh, she clearly saw that because when the album came out, the interstitial was removed from the song. Like that one line, hey, kids, spelling is fun, was actually removed from the song. So on the album, you can't hear that anymore. So that's uh, what that is, pressure. which I think is great. No, totally. But also, that was a bad song. Uh, <laughs> I, I like Brandon Yuri a whole lot. Uh, and, and that was, I, I'll never forget, I was in, I was, was I in Amsterdam or was I, uh, no, I was in Stockholm. I was in Stockholm when, which is perfect because, you know, I had like Stockholm syndrome, basically. I was in Stockholm when the song was released. And honestly, my gut instinct was to be like, what is this? But because it's Taylor, I had to be, I had to like find a way to convince myself that I was like <laughs> into it and loved it and was super excited, even though like in my deep heart of hearts, I, I was not feeling it. Um, I wound up liking much of the, the rest of the album when that came out, but that first song, man, that was a, that was a struggle. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so that's, that, that's the spelling bee. Okay. Um, he had a lounge set aside for people who hadn't met Taylor Swift, which there were certain areas of the park that he made sure to let us know we're going to have limited capacity. Like this, this section is for real thrill seekers. That's why it has a limited capacity. And to me, when you're planning out a very fantastical theme park, planning in advance for like your, the lines and the waiting queues and everything, that is, that's kind of genius. But he had a lounge that he didn't put a capacity limit on that was for people who hadn't met Taylor Swift. That seemed... Has Taylor Swift met a lot more people than I think? Well, she does historically, like maybe not as much anymore, but she does do things, at least with her diehard fans, where she meets them. And 
Um, like I think that there was something she did one time where she did like, I don't know, like 13 hours straight of a meet and greet. And this was after she was already really famous where, you know, she was in Nashville and like sat someplace and took photos and met people for like 13 hours straight, which, um, you know what, even if you're really, even if you're not famous, that's a lot, but if you're really famous and even if it is partially just kind of a PR exercise, uh, that's impressive because I, I honestly can't imagine like just the emotional toll of having to be on for that long. Uh, she does meet people uh, and she does these things that she's done for the last few years. Uh, she obviously didn't do it with the latest album where she has these secret sessions where she invites, you know, select fans to her houses where they'll hear the album in advance. Um, I think what he was probably referring to is I'm guessing here. I don't know is that at least, especially with like the diehard Swifties and I'm not one of them. I mean, I, I keep up with their antics online because it's interesting to me, but I'm clearly both too old and too like uh, abused by the whole thing to actually be part of it where they, they keep track of the same people that get to meet her more than once. And um, there's like, Oh, there, there's incredible amounts of, of, of angst and drama over that. So <laughs> she's met a lot of people, but I think that this was probably more in a reference to, you know, the fact that, it seems like there are certain fans that she meets that have like four photos with her and Taylor nation, like her fan site people or whatever who handle a lot of that. Like apparently there are supposed to be rules where, you know, you can't have met Taylor, you know, within the last however many years, you know, to be able to, to, to get a meet and greet opportunity again. Um, but they don't police that. Cause how could you police that? Right. So the, the, the fans try to be like the police, like, well, no, she met her during, you know, this era and da 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 da. No, he has four photos with her and da 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 da. And I'm like, dude, Taylor doesn't know any of these people. Like, right. she smiled and took a photo. Honestly, she took a yeah. photo and was like, smiled. And honestly, the fact that she had to go to court because when she did a meet and greet, a radio DJ grabbed her ass and then sued her when he was fired. And she had to like go through that whole thing. I think that we should be happy that she meets and takes photos with anyone at all. Because I, I tell you what, if that happened to me and I had hundreds of millions of dollars and I had to go to court because someone, some older dude like violated me and then had the nerve to sue me when he was fired for his actions, there'd be no way in hell I would ever do any sort of like, you know, public meet and greet ever again. Yeah. No, but I get that's that. That's my own aside. There's some, some, uh, you've just described a whole bunch of really entitled people. And teenagers, yes. <laughs> Which yeah. this guy I think is yeah. like twenty one. So so I, I include him in this a little bit, but yeah. Um so she she goes through every album. Like every album has a uh a, a land. There's Lover Land and a nineteen eighty nine land and um he eventually gets to and he he says at the beginning that he kinda had to like folklore came out after he had designed this park. So he had to uh, revamp the whole thing to fit folklore in, uh, which feels to me like he's not planning for the future because clearly she's putting out more albums. But uh, the Folklore River Ride right. is the only place where it got a little bit literal uh, for my taste. Uh, he had like a yes. movie theater just so that you could see people exiting the side door based on one line of a song. And mm -hmm. the piano player is specifically wearing Levi's jeans, again, in reference to a single line. His reference for the lakes was a lake. 
and he, a, a tightrope with mirror balls on it. it like all of these mm-hmm. very literal literal interpretations very of lines literal. from songs. It was a little worrisome there. Yeah, see, I, I have a feeling that this was, you know what that felt like to me? It was like, okay, you've done this project. You've, you're <laughs> finished. This this thing comes out of nowhere, and now you have to, like, suddenly, like, you know, pivot. Right. And, and you don't have time. Like, you don't have the emotional energy to go back and recreate and redesign things. You just need to make it work. So you're just, like, literally, I have a feeling he was probably, like, had, like, you know, rap genius up and was, like, going through the lyrics and was like, all right, what do I need for this? And just, you know, like, it was literally the project is due tomorrow right. and it's 11 p.m. Well, and he had what, years to work on it? the rest of it. He clearly had been exactly. thinking about it for a long time. And now he's got like a month to put together uh, fol- right. fol- folklore land. Exactly. So I'm with you. I thought that that one, not his best work. Uh, also, I agree with you. Like, he has not thought about expansion. Like, you know, think like Walt Disney. Think like, uh, think like the, you know, the theme park people. Think like, you know, um, the, the Roy's in succession. Like, you have to... Think about how you're going to expand your theme park um, and, uh, and and at least at the very least have like areas that you could connect to other plots of land so that you can have the second half of Harry Potter world or you right. know, Disney California adventure or whatever the case may be. Because, yeah, she's going to need her own Epcot at some point. She's going to need her own, um, you know, like other, uh, you know, the, 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 the Simpsons world in Universal Studios. Like she's going to need her own uh, additional areas because I mean, also also like, I feel like there could have been an entire dedicated experience just to cats, even though that was terrible. Like, I just feel like that was something that, <laughs> that, that should have had a thing too. Like, honestly, like it, the, the theater. Okay. Actually, that's what he should have done. The theater for folklore, uh, you know, for that thing. The thing is, is the theater, you you're forced to watch cats. That's what that is. That's what that ride is. And that's why it's the most terrifying ride in the entire park is you have to sit and watch cats and that's it. He uh he had a you need to calm down trailer park <laughs> right next yeah, to the good. pop queen pageant with the meet and greet for all of the drag queen pop stars. Yeah. I what, what okay, tell me about Taylor and cats. She loves them. She is this a common topic for her? Yes. Cuz he had the the state of grace performance palace with cat shows. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the I the one that I think at first, I was like, that's ridiculous and stupid. And then I caught myself and said, wait a second. This is actually kind of genius. Was the Speak Now snowplow attraction <laughs> where you drive a snowplow and your goal is to pile up snow in front of the church to delay the man. The wedding. The wedding uh-huh. so I'm that Taylor can tell him how she really feels. And <laughs> and he had it. So they're... they're there's only so many different tracks the snowplow can wait or take, and it always it always has a happy ending, not for the guy, but for Taylor. And <laughs> but like this idea that it's you, it's interactive. Like you still you get to make choices in this whole uh, fantasy winter wonderland that he has inside this building. That was nuts. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. I like that. And I, I really did like, as you put it, it's like, it's not a happy ending for anybody but Taylor, you know, uh, the, the poor girl who thinks that she's going to marry the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no one ever, no one ever thinks about that girl in the in the Speak Now song. Like, no, no one ever thinks about her. And like, 
you know, just, I mean, which makes sense. I mean, that that's the person that, uh, that we don't want to think of as similar to, uh, to, to, to friends, which is one of Taylor's favorite shows where, you know, when, when Rachel, um, when, when Ross said, I take the Rachel, uh, <laughs> in the wedding vows and everybody dies, uh, you know, nobody really thinks about that poor Emily. Everybody's just like, yeah, we didn't like her. Just get her out of there. And that was me. I'm with them. I'm like, yeah, screw Emily. But then you go back and you watch the show and you're like, wow, Ross really ruined her life. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and like, it was just entertainment for everyone. But like, Ross really ruined her life. Like, you know, she was going to like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You got, you got to know who you're cheering for ultimately. Um, so in short, to summarize this, uh, this very, uh, savant video um that i'm i'm not diagnosing anything like he seems like a very nice kid uh i it it leads to some questions for me but i learned more about taylor swift through this uh theme parkization of her albums than i did uh talking to you for how many years now exactly six (laughs) yeah no, I, I'm with you. And like, I'm not going to diagnose anybody either because it's not fair. I, I, but Savant, like, I definitely think like if there was a spectrum thing, would not be surprised. Uh, uh, very impressed, though. This is one of I, I saw it and I was like, this is insane. And we have to talk about this because I didn't think that you would take it this seriously. And I love that, like, you got this into it because my whole thing, I was just like, I, I would, there's, I, I try to think, I'm like, okay, Christina, is this ever anything you would have spent this much time on? And I don't know. I think maybe if I were really into theme parks and I were like 13 or 14. Yeah, that's exactly and, it. I would have absolutely done this when I was 10. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially if like the, with the pandemic, when like you can't go anywhere and you have nothing to do, like, this is the sort of thing that I would have done. Right. Uh, he's a little bit older, which is also why it's better but i i do honestly have to say like by the time i was his age no would would not have done it having said that very glad that he did because it's fun to think about and now i'm hoping that other people who have more time and uh passions in this than me genuinely do like make a digital version of this in roller coaster tycoon or the sims or or something grand theft auto um you know any of the open world kind of moddable games because i feel like that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I definitely, I definitely want to like be, I, I definitely want like some sort of mod, at least of the bad, bad blood, you know, <laughs> motorcycles. Yeah. I would play that. That video was fun. That was the Taylor. Was. I, that was the Taylor I can most e- easily appreciate. Was, well, that's peak Taylor. Yeah. Um, so I'm getting all these notifications from Slack right now because my friend, uh, Harold, Chris Harold. His name's Christopher, but he goes by Harold, so we just call him Harold Chris Harold. Um, uh, you may know him as Haroldina on Twitter. Anyway, he's telling me that uh, listening to our last Overtired, he says, the more I listen to the two of you, the more I'm convinced I have ADHD. And I have to say, uh, if there's one thing that this show exists for, it is to very casually and unprofessionally allow people to self-diagnose themselves with mental conditions that's exactly it it is it is absolutely i will too i will too um and also you know like harold chris harold i don't know if you have adhd or not only a doctor can tell you that but uh but you probably do because i think most people do so uh (laughs) welcome to the family oh 
we're we're not good for the mental health community apparently get a, get a lot of people to pay that eight hundred dollars for the test though i mean see if only we got like residuals off of that right um i i <laughs> I'm I think afraid that that's, that's how too much of the medical industry works already. Uh, I agree with you, and I think technically that's supposed to be illegal, but it exists anyway. Unfortunately, it would be, for some reason, we wouldn't be able to do that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So as I was taking these notes on on this uh, Taylor Swift theme park, my phone started mo- mo- touching the screen on its own. Like it, like the back button would be hit when I was in the middle of typing or the app would exit in the middle of typing and not quit. Like you would actually, it would look like I had swiped up from the bottom. The screen had shrunk a little and then it had shrunk down. And then the icons on the, on the springboard would start wobbling. Like I had pressed and held them. And meanwhile, I'm not touching the screen at all. And it's just moving around, uh, opening folders, closing folders, like ghosts and like a, a really clumsy ghost, I guess. But uh Yeah. But have you Or a drunk ghost? Have you ever seen this happen before? No. Because I rebooted I twice and it's still happening. I'm hoping it's just something to do with the beta that I'm stupidly on. Yeah, let's talk about that. I'm on the beta too. Are you on the dev beta or are you on the developer beta? Or are you on the user beta? Uh dev beta. Okay, same. And you're on you're on an you're on an iPhone eleven, right? uh no 10 okay i'm on an 11 uh pro and uh i'm not having that issue but i have had at least with the latest beta the one that came out this week i've had a bunch of springboard crashes okay like like more than i've had in a while um this beta for the most part has actually been pretty stable especially compared to last year uh because i stupidly even after last year's debacle decided to do it this year um but and that was i think in part because ios 13 in general has just not been a good release but uh so i've had things where like i'll be in an app everything will be fine and then all of a sudden the screen will go black and you know the little spinny thing will happen because the springboard has hard crashed yeah and then it'll take like 30 seconds the phone will come back and i can go back to the app and interestingly the app save state will be exactly where i left it so i won't lose anything uh but springboard just hard crash but i haven't had this phantom touch thing that is interesting that could be a hardware thing but just just be clear so i took the case off i rebooted it i cleaned the screen so it feels like a hardware thing and the touches seem to happen at specific places on the screen like somehow it frequently is able you know when you go into an app from another app and it gives you the little back button in the very upper left it somehow manages to hit that all the time but if i try to hit it manually i can't which makes me think there's something going on with the screen yeah that makes that sounds like the digitizer perhaps uh it could be a beta thing i mean maybe software is making it worse but the fact that it happens on consistently on Uh. you know certain parts of the screen does make me think like it might be a digitizer thing check this out. um my girlfriend my girlfriend cracked the the screen of her iphone 8 and uh she had a, a surion protection on it and mm-hmm. so she sent they sent her a loaner she sent in her her smash screen and a week later she gets a box in the mail and she opens it up and it's her smash screen phone but with a glass plate over it 
fucking serious? Well, and that was our reaction, but also the glass plate didn't have a hole to get to the button and it wasn't touch sensitive. So not only was it it wasn't just a screen protector, it was actually like it looked like it was it was put on there to keep the glass in place while they sent it for actual screen replacement, but they right. sent it back to her instead. So I think we have that all taken care of now. She spent like three more hours on the phone trying to get this figured out. But I, I, that's why I'm hoping it's a beta thing and not a hardware thing because I don't want to deal with replacements. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. And like in a in a typical thing, like especially because it's an iPhone 10, so it's older, I'd be like, yeah, just take it to anybody who is kind of reputable and has the parts. But I don't know how open stuff is in your area to even get repairs. Oh, yeah, um, we don't really have. I guess there's one guy like that's authorized about half hour from here. But Best Buy is authorized now. But you know that's uh, your mileage may vary with that. But at least they are authorized um, to do you know phone repairs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that, that complicates things. I don't blame you. I hope it's a. I hope it's a software thing too. Um, other than that, other than the screen moving, like, have you had other issues with the, with the beta? Um, mostly aesthetic stuff. Like, mm -hmm. um, the Twitter app is, is, is still messed up, uh, ever since I installed the beta. Uh, but that's more, uh, I would say Twitter's fault at this point. Um, but just little quirks on the screen that seem to get, it, it, they seem to improve with every beta release. Uh, so I haven't been filing reports like a good boy. I've been just kind of patiently waiting. Yeah, I uh, the only thing that I've like obsessively filed things over, and they have at least fixed it a little bit, was the changes they made to the alarms app um, are bad and make it more difficult for you to set the alarm. At least now they have reintroduced the kind of slider mechanism to set the time, um, you know, like in the old app. So I haven't weirdly i haven't updated it on my ipad pro i've only put the beta on my iphone but you know like for the end of you know since the beginning of time how the alarm app has worked is that you get you know like three or like i guess um yeah like 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 three different areas where you have you can kind of cycle through by scrolling your finger and it's kind of like a um like a wheel sort of motif to set the the time of your alarm and it's it's really consistent and um works real well for me um and and I'm, I'm used to it it's fast what they've done though is that now i guess they're like oh well wouldn't it just be easier if you could type in you know the time that you want and sure i guess the problem is is that in the early betas where you would need to type would uh not correspond with what you were trying to change so if i was trying to add 15 minutes to you know a time if i was trying to like increase the hour by something it would, you know, take me to a different thing. And, I, and I've, I've got a, you know, it, it was just a pain. So now they have at least in, reintroduced um, a smaller um, kind of uh, wheel sort of mechanism to set the alarm. So that's better. So I'm, I, I can stop filing um, bug reports on that now. But uh, that was like the one that they were probably really tired of seeing them from me because I was <laughs> filing one like every single thing. I was like, this is, I, but I was like, this is bad. This is a regression. Like, this is not good. Uh, other than that, yeah, the the widgets um, keep improving, but there, you know, are, are little bugs and UI things with that. But other than that, I have to say, I've been I've been largely impressed, but that also feels like Stockholm syndrome because yeah. <laughs> thirteen was so bad 
yeah. that, you know, I'm kind of like, well, if it's not crashing and making my life miserable and taking everything with me and, uh, you know, draining my battery, then like, I'm, I'm amazed. So I, yeah, I do. I love the idea of having widgets on my home screen, uh, like in with all my folders and icons, but I have not found a good use for it yet. Yeah. Same. I'm in the exact same positions. Like I have them on like one screen and I don't do anything else. I do like the app library a lot. I like that a lot. I, I do. Um, but I have tons of apps and I have way too many pages. And so this has been a good way to just sort of you know, get rid of all of that. And then I can just choose certain apps that I want. The only thing that's frustrating is, and they got rid of this years ago, and it still annoys me, is that there was a time when you could use iTunes on your Mac to organize your home screen. Yeah, And that was so much faster because if I had a keyboard and a mouse, you know, and I could drag things or I could search for things and I could just kind of put it aside, it made it way easier to organize. But now it's still like, you know, even though the the app library is really nice and I like how it auto organizes stuff, there are certain things that I'm going to want to organize and have myself. But it's really difficult still to like search, find where the app is, what screen it's on or where it is in the app library, locate it, you know, yeah. press and hold and then drag it to the screen you want it on. Like it's just it's really not ideal. Um, so I did you that still annoys do me. You know about the two finger thing? If you press and hold till it jiggles and then use another finger, you don't have to drag to the edge of the screen to move between pages. I guess that's you know obvious I I... to most people. It was new to me. No, no, I think I did know that, but I think I've forgotten that. So I appreciate that reminder because that will likely make things easier. Uh, I know it I helps don't think a little, but still organizing with your fingers is not fun. I do do it obsessively, right. though. All of, I have hundreds of apps all organized into folders by verb, like for what they do. I have yep. folders like consume, control, explore, filter, learn, and everything is sorted. And therefore, the app library is unintuitive to me because I already, I already have a do very that. similar system set up for finding the apps I use. I even have one that is recently added that is stuff that... If I if I use if it's in recently added and I start using it a bunch, then it gets moved into a real folder. See, see, that's good. Okay, so on my iPad, I have that done right, Um, but on my phone because I um, have, I guess, done like the the clean, you know, install less recently. On my phone, that's not the case. So on my phone, I you know was in the place where I was like, there were you know just dozens maybe even hundreds i don't even know how many apps that were not organized i used to obsessively organize them and then i stopped and if you don't keep up with it at least i found it becomes very very difficult to go back and it, to the point that usually my solution is to just the next time i get a new phone set it up as a new device and then reinstall apps manually <laughs> and put them in those folders the yeah. way that I want, which is what I had to do with my iPad, actually. And that's why my iPad, and I have the same way. Like, I don't have verbs, I, but I have similar things. I have code, you know, browsers, streaming, Google, mm, yeah. you know, stylus, remotes, you know, news, um, you know, like finance. Like, I have all that type of stuff um, set up. And so I'm in a similar situation with you where, at least on my iPad, it's superfluous. But on my phone where I haven't, been able to do that it it can be kind of useful so um this thing 
frequently where they clearly want to get away from from the idea of like a file system or yeah. or even a desktop full of icons and i mean spotlight has always had the goal of uh, making it easy to find files without having to go through thousands of folders. And I feel like they're constantly improving Spotlight on iOS. And the app library feels like they're, when they did, remember Launchpad? Do you ever use yep. Launchpad? Uh, no, no, but I remember it. Um, it's still there for anyone that, yeah, I know. that does actually use it. But it feels like they're trying that same tact on the iPhone. And maybe it'll work better. Like if, if it, if it impresses people like you who, who have that many apps and it's helpful, maybe they're getting it right this time. I guess Launchpad didn't do, didn't bother organizing things for you, but it did give you a type ahead search for launching apps. So I got Yeah. Yeah. Launchpad was weird because Launchpad it was, that came out in Lion, I believe. And it was such a clear, like, this isn't, this is something that we've taken from iOS and, uh, you know, this is the sort of thing that would be good on a touchscreen device more than it is right. with, you know, a, a mouse cursor. The only thing I've ever used Launchpad for has been to delete something from the uh, Mac App Store because it's much easier to find the app that way and then click and hold and click on the X button yeah. to do that uninstall. Like, that's literally the only thing I use Launchpad for. Um my fear with app library is that it might be one of those things that's useful, but unintuitive to the regular people that could actually get use out of it. Meaning that like their discovery of it might like if it's because it's, it's by default at the very end of your screens, you might not know it exists and they might not make it clear to be like, Hey, you can delete these other app screens and your apps aren't going to go away. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that's going to be the challenge they're going to have is like, how do you get regular people to kind of know that this this can be another option? Like in a weird way, it would almost be beneficial if they had a launch pad type of button um, or at least like big folder launcher that you could put on one of your other home screens that would you know take you into that view, yeah. uh, you know, which is what Android does. Oh, this is cool. It gives me a test flight folder. Yeah. All of my test flight apps are automatically corralled together. That uh, I'll 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 give it that. That's handy. Um, yeah, I I do I do have to say like I wouldn't necessarily pick all the organizations the way that they do, but I have noticed in the last few beta updates that it's gotten smarter and better. Uh, similar to the way that uh, the Photos app does a pretty good job with kind of its automatic collections, like you know when they introduced the screenshots one. I was like, because I'd had my own screenshots folder and like I'd had like a, a, a mechanism that I would go through for years where I would find screenshots and put them into a specific place yeah. um, using some Python or whatever. And I was like, oh, cool. Don't have to do that anymore. That's real nice. Yeah. Yeah. So they get it right once in a while. So what you, you, you were saying you had some uh, some Catalina stuff going on. Yeah. So I hate Catalina. It is it is the worst. It is the worst Mac operating system i think that i've ever used really um yeah yeah uh i you know when it came out because of all the different permission stuff people were comparing it to the to microsoft vista to windows vista <laughs> rather 
And and I thought that that was after the time, but I actually think that that's unfair to Vista because Ouch. Vista was bad. Ouch. Vista was Vista was bad, uh, but Vista was bad primarily because a the stupid you know like um, you know permission system, but also it it required more horsepower than the machines that people were using it on, and even some of the machines it was sold on, and you know like you needed a really good graphics card for the aero glass and it just you know it was a mess in that way but you know within a few years once computers got more powerful and whatnot like it was it was okay and, and they they you know cut down on some of the most egregious stuff with windows 7 which i think you know most people have kind of considered like the the like ideal um windows release at least of a, of a certain type you know it was, it was a maybe not like as good as mac os but it certainly was like if you're going to use windows like this is like the platonic ideal of, of of um you know windows from kind of the the xp uh era from like i guess that that version of the kernel era or whatever um so yeah i think that it's a but 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 vista you know had some decent things i uh i think that catalina the the better analogy frankly is uh the the windows millennium edition windows me uh which is, I still have, like, this is now coming on 20 years. I have significant anger issues about from being like a <laughs> high school student who bought the upgrade for cheap and installed it and watched it do terrible things to my system to the point that I had to reinstall Windows 98 second edition. And when I did that, I was trying to back up my email and I backed up the wrong folder because Outlook changed where they you know, stored its database to, and I lost four years of email, which I'm still mad about. So, uh, and, and Windows ME was so bad that it, it came pre-installed on the machines that we used when we went to college, which like happened right when XP came out. And uh, I I booted that computer uh, that came with Windows ME on it, and it came with a, like a, a free, you know, future release of, of XP. They're like, okay, we'll mail you, you know, XP um, in the future so that you can upgrade. Uh, and um, I literally booted that computer with with Windows Me on it one time, and that one time was just so I could insert the burned uh, <laughs> like Windows XP like uh, leak that like had the the um, serial key that yep. everybody used on the internet. Yep. Like that once somebody somebody found it. This was like the first week of school I, before the classes even started. Somebody um, one of my friends had that burned it on a CDR. Wrote the the serial on the the um you know the paper sleeve gave that to me and that was the only time I ever booted that operating system on that machine and then I used that CDR to upgrade all of my roommates' computers and about half the other people in the dorms and that was how I met friends like my first week of college was <laughs> putting XP the on XP people's girl. computers it was it was that and it was also Ethernet ports because people not every computer you bought would automatically have an Ethernet port right. at that time uh, like it should have but they didn't so many of them still came with modems instead and and kids didn't realize that and I was like oh okay well you need to spend thirty dollars and get this card and they're like well how do I open up my e machines how do I open up my <laughs> Dell or whatever and I'm like I got you um, and so you know and I worked at Best Buy so I could even get a discount you know on on ethernet cards so I would just go and I would just like load up you know on ethernet cards and then just and that was how I met people you know so I was just like I was just like the girl that was going to fix their computers um but yeah so I think that this is Catalina has been the windows ME of of Mac operating systems for me and I hate saying that but we're 
almost a year into it. And I've never had a worse operating system experience on a Mac in my life. I, I've other than the permissions issues you mentioned, which were frequent and annoying. Um, I, I honestly have really loved Catalina. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, and I've heard that from from a number of people, people who haven't had my issues, but then I've talked to people who have had the issues where, I don't know, there's weird stuff that happens with audio. This is like the third time I've had to do a complete reformat on this laptop, and it's a 2017 MacBook Pro, so it's not, you know, the latest and greatest, but it's, it's not like I'm on a 2014 or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, which, which I think, is that what, is that what you're on? Are you on a, no, I'm on, you know, a, I'm on a 2019. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, yeah, so, but right. But I mean, I'm not like trying, but this isn't a situation where I'm trying to, where you could make the argument, oh, well, you're, you're just trying to put too much on this. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really not. Like this machine has, has uh, 16 gigs of RAM and, you know, um, should be capable of, of doing whatever Catalina wants. Like it's not a hardware thing. Um, there's just something with either my setup or the apps that I use where, just with audio, I get issues. I get crashes. Uh, I still run into stuff with homebrew sometimes, but that's mostly uh, figure things out. But um, what'll happen is I'll just start getting kernel panics, and the kernel panics. And maybe this is a hardware thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm unfairly blaming Catalina, but you know, it, it what it wasn't happening in Mojave is all I know. Huh. And and I get like kernel panics, um, but there's not really kind of a discernible, uh, you know, like. Thing that I can find of why it's happening, and then I wind up having to uh, just kind of do a, a full reinstall, and it winds up happening at very inopportune times. I, so, like, I never even put it on my iMac. I I kept Mojave <laughs> on my iMac. I do have this thing where if I unplug my MacBook Pro from my Thunderbolt dock, uh, the screen doesn't always flip back over, and. Mm -hmm. About 90% of the time, if the screen doesn't flip back over within the first 30 seconds after I unplug it, it just shuts down yeah. and and boots back up with a, your computer was restarted due to a problem. Um, but I've always assumed that was a hardware thing. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that's a thunder. What, what dock are you using? The CalDigit, the, the. TS3 plus. Something like, I don't know. It's the, yeah, the $300 the same dock. CalDigit one. It's the best one. So. They've done a good job. Like I would check to make sure you have the latest firmware on that, but they've they've done a good job. There's something weird with Thunderbolt. Um, from what I can gather, Apple is very very like precise on the specifications that it uses for anything involving video, mm. and and this has always been the case. So uh, I remember when the Mac Pro came out, the Trash Can Mac Pro came out. You know, the, one of the big things was that it could support 4K displays. And so when I got my review unit from Apple, um, they gave, got me, they, they allowed me to have a review unit of a cinema display, which was very nice of them, but I wanted to test out 4K displays. So I called in a couple of 4K displays from some other manufacturers. And the first one just flat out didn't work. And they even kind of had to acknowledge that oh, we've got to wait for some sort of firmware thing. And then the second one did but I had to find a very specific type of display port cable because um, of the way that the display port specification worked um, to do 4K on Mac OS. What, you know, typically what, it, what it's doing is it's doing two, it's um, it, within Windows or other things, it does basically a thing where it's uh, kind of, I guess, 
uh, attaching two screens together. And so you can sometimes have tearing issues. And Mac OS does something a little bit uh, better, I think, to prevent some of those tearing issues. But because of that, if your cable and if the firmware on your monitor are not of like the exact like display port standards, then stuff will not work. And so there was a thing where I had to like, I had to be on like a beta version of Mac OS and I had to have like a very specific type of cable that was absolutely rated, you know, to the right thing. And um, that was fixed years ago, but I've even found now like with any sort of USB-C monitor or even a non-USB-C monitor, if it's of, of a certain resolution, um, like, I have to like make sure it's like, okay, is the cable exactly the right type? Is the display port exactly, you know, updated to the latest version or whatever? Because I find the same thing with you, like unplugging or disconnecting, the screen might not come back. Other, there might be other issues. Huh. It's, and then from what I understand, it's uh, because I guess other manufacturers don't have the same tolerances and can have a little more wiggle room about stuff whereas mac os is very specific about what it will I take will, uh, i will look so. into firmware and cables and i hope big sur is uh i hope it's a break for you yeah um i i am too i i hope i hope so as well I mean, i'm not gonna have a choice that you know like i'm gonna have to go there so because i don't have it well i mean i guess i could downgrade this like i guess i could keep the the macbook pro i could put it back on cat on, on mojave <laughs> but uh, I, I that doesn't feel smart, and more and more apps don't even support it anymore. So, uh, my iMac, I mean, I'm I'm only keeping Catalina on that as long as required. So, as soon as Big Sur is released, goodbye. Um, but how many hey, megabytes Brett, of RAM does your your new iMac have? Uh, megabytes. <laughs> how many gigabytes you got? One hundred twenty-eight gigabytes of RAM. That was not intentional. Still, that's uh. I remember when 16 megabytes of RAM was top notch. Like that's that's where me I grew too. up. Yeah, me too. When I when I my first real computer had eight megabytes of RAM, which seemed massive. And the first upgrade I ever did to it of my own was to add another eight yeah. megabytes. And I had my second computer, the the computer I got when um for for Christmas in 1998, the one that my parents spoiled me with and let me have in my bedroom. That one had 128 megabytes of RAM, which, you know, was like yeah, baller. Basically you know? a supercomputer at that point. <laughs> basically, yeah. It was a Pentium 2 450. It had a DVD drive. It had 128 gigs of uh, megs of RAM. It had an 8 meg graphics card um, that also could do like video capture. Like that machine ruled. But um, yeah, 128 gigabytes, which was not intentional. I was going to go 64. And what happened was Amazon lost my package, which was fine because I didn't even have the iMac yet. And then I, I still hadn't seen it. And so I went to check the status and the app was like, your package has been lost. Please huh. contact us for a refund. I was like, oh, okay, well, fine. So I do that. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't received my package. They're like, yeah, we can't find any you know, um, evidence of it in the tracking system. So we'll just go ahead and refund you. Okay, cool. Thank you. So I reorder the exact same RAM from the same, like, you know, seller or whatever. And two days later, that RAM arrives. And then three days after that, another package arrives, the original package with the original 64 yeah. gigs of RAM. So 
I had like a weird existential thing where I was like, all right, what's the ethical move here? Like, do I have to return this? Do I have to call? Can I keep it? Like, what's what's the situation? And I was conflicted. <laughs> and a lot of people told me they were like, you don't have to do anything. Just just keep it. And and I was like, that seems fair. But then I was like, well, even though this was fulfilled by Amazon, this wasn't sold by Amazon. And I was like concerned about the buyer or the seller or whatever. Like I was like, I don't want them to be, you know, gypped $270 or whatever. So I reached out to Amazon. I was like, hey, um, I got this stuff that you'd refunded me for. It actually did wind up showing up. Um, what do you want me to do? And they were like, just keep it. I've had that happen with uh, with double shipped orders before. And there's, it, I guess it's more trouble for them to deal with shipping and returns than it is to just write it off. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. I'm also thinking that there was probably some sort of insurance yeah. thing going on. And because they couldn't, they didn't have tracking on the package and they guess don't see that it was actually delivered. I don't know. So really like the insurance companies are the ones that are paying for this, which you know what? Fine. Um, the net result is I have 128 which gigs is of RAM. Fantastic. I, I, I have 64, yeah. I think in this machine. That's yeah. Amazing. It's, it's outstanding. I love it. But uh, I can only imagine how, how, how fun my life would be if I could, if I had a machine that could even handle 128 gigs which I'm pretty sure this one cannot. Yeah, no, I, um, I've i never obviously had a machine that can come even anywhere close to that. And so what I'm hoping to do once I get my desk set up and, and my office and all that is I'm going to do some sort of live stream where I would like to, if people are interested in this sort of thing, where I I try to see like how many containers, how many VMs, like <laughs> I would like to, I, I want to like figure out like what it would be, like what kind of fuckery do I need to do to- um, To max it out. You know, exactly. Yeah. Because I don't, because I don't even know to be totally honest. We should, uh, like, I know there are workloads and things you could do. I mean, I guess I could just open up Logic and keep opening up like new, you know, um, tracks over and over again. But I, I still, make it I don't a even drinking know. game. Make it like uh, uh, every app that that Christina launches, or every new Logic audio project she opens, you take another drink, and you just keep going until either. The computer beach balls. I'm dead. Or someone gets alcohol poisoning. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, I think that's a real good way for uh for me to get alcohol poisoning. Isn't that the but, point um, of drinking games, yeah. though? Isn't somebody supposed to die? I've never understood how those work. Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably that is probably the the actual point is that someone's supposed to die. It's kind of like a you know like those uh like those teen horror movies from the from the late '90s. You know, like that's just like I know what you did right. last summer. You you know had a drinking game and ran over someone and and covered up the murder i'm thinking of going vegetarian all right you've done that before I, haven't you? i was vegetarian for 17 years and then i wasn't and now i'm suddenly like every time i eat meat i'm feeling very bad about it and it is um take it's having it's wearing me down mentally to the point where i can't justify eating meat anymore so I'm switching my HelloFresh deliveries over to the vegetarian options, which is a pain because I've been cooking for both Elle and I, but Elle has her own dietary requirements, uh, which include uh, gluten and dairy-free, and it's mm -hmm. and rice. She has she reacts to rice, which means vegetarian options uh, that don't include rice are rice and or gluten 
are are few and far between and you're not going to get them from a yeah uh pre-packaged place like hello fresh so for the time being we are cooking separate meals again um but i i don't know i just my something switched in my brain i i originally went vegetarian after well i had i had worked i had done some farm work in high school and uh had slaughtered chickens and felt a little conflicted that whole whole time but it wasn't until like my first year of college i ate some lamb and it was more that i didn't like the meal than i felt bad about the the sheep but mm-hmm. it all kind of came together and i just never ate meat again after that day for another 17 years um went pescatarian at the end there for a while but it, it's it's happening again though i saw i watched this pretty i, I don't want to call it a bad movie um and now i can't remember what it was called it had uh uh owen owen what's his name blonde guy owen, owen wilson, wilson and zach galifianakis in it and there's a scene where owen has to kill a chicken to cook for dinner and my my line has always kind of been if if i can if i could kill it to eat it then i'm okay with eating it if i know in my heart that i could have killed this animal but I watched that scene and realized I, I don't I don't think I even if it were a survival situation and and I had to come up with some rationalization about the animal making a sacrifice for me and being thankful and all of that. I could prob- probably rationalize my way through a slaughter and and a meal. But to kill an animal just to have a good burger I don't think I'm there anymore. I think I think some some something some line got crossed somewhere. I don't know. I'm still conflicted. Yeah, no. I mean, I think that other than the complications for, you know, maybe having to cook separately, I mean, you need to do what feels right to you. And oh. I think everybody has their own lines for that sort of if stuff. If I go vegan, I promise um, not to talk about it. I mean, you can talk about it. I'm just not going to <laughs> just like, I'm not going to I, look, I'm not, I, I, I respect people who are vegan. I respect people who are vegetarian. I'm not. What if uh, I make that your uh, homework? I, I will not. What if your homework is to go vegan? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Fuck it. No, come out. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, no, I, not even. Um, it's just, I'm not doing that. Uh, very, very adamantly. People who are. Under no circumstance. I mean, like, there would have to be, like, a, a you're going to die if you don't have this sort of diet, and it happens to be vegan. Um, I just, I, I can understand the arguments, at least for vegetarianism, and I can understand both for animals and also for the mm-hmm. environment. Uh, I have a lot more trouble with the full vegan arguments to be honest i yeah i don't like i especially from the environmental standpoint uh i i fully relate to vegans i've just never it's never been important enough to me to make the sacrifices involved um and and for me vegetarianism was always more about the the environment than it was about animal rights uh, that's shifted for me. I think actually it's more about animal rights now than it is about the environment, but it's it's definitely both. But 
yeah, no, I, I really, I, 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 I listen to people talk about why they're vegan, and I cannot disagree with most of what they say. Yeah, I mean, I might be able to agree in the abstract, <laughs> but but then Taco Bell calls. Well, but it's not just that. I mean, I think it's that I, I try to like take, I guess, my, my, I have like a more holistic view, which is I'm not saying that the things that you're claiming are incorrect or wrong, but there are all these other things that, that we do and that we partake in and that are, you know, a part of functioning in a modern society that equally have detrimental impacts on other environments or other species uh and and you know ecologically and and whatnot and so like where do you yeah. draw the line right like for me it becomes like a, a question of okay you're not wrong about this but this is also the same case for if you're going to drive or mm -hmm. consume any sort of transportation or electricity yeah. or you know use a computer like you know what i mean like like right. where do i draw the line like if, if i'm gonna if i'm gonna say that i'm gonna be vegan because of all those things then should i be using a phone or a computer because the minerals in it have been mined in ways that are unethical right. and, I, and that are I do, problematic. Like I, <laughs> I do sorry. think it comes down to doing what feels okay to you because most, most of the problems happening to our environment right now are not in the hands of consumers. Uh, we're not the ones causing the problem and we're not the ones who through individual action are going to cause any significant amount of change only through political action do we have any chance of actually affecting the environment for the better. So ultimately it comes down to what's, what feels okay to you. And yeah, there's not a lot of point in like, uh, in preaching at people because even, even if you did make a difference in that person's life, that person ultimately isn't going to make a difference in, in uh, climate change and all of the major uh, environmental catastrophes we have going on right right i mean exactly and, and i know that that's part of the that people argue well that's the problem nobody does anything and you know it's it, it's collective it takes a lot of people to do stuff and yeah i guess so if, if you were able to start a genuine movement where people genuinely in mass start to affect the economics so that the industry isn't as profitable and doesn't make the money it is then i guess you could do something but short of that i mean i'm with you i think that it takes political and legislation change and i it is though why i do like um you know some of the different like uh meatless yeah. um uh startups um it, i actually think that that is the sort of thing that could potentially move the needle um although they have their own problems i mean you have to look into like how much energy are those things you know uh, right. taking and creating and and how how viable are they but getting aside from that like a beyond burger and and what's the other one Beyond Burger was the first one that came to mind. I can't think of the other one. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's Beyond, and then there, there there's another one. Uh, but you know, if those things like they're starting to be um, uh, impossible, yeah. uh, so you know, those are those are starting to be sold. You know, in fast food restaurants yep. and grocery stores, and having name brands, I think that's actually really powerful because if that could become a viable business, then that's the sort of thing that could potentially shift people away from saying okay, we are going to be investing this much in traditional agriculture and, um, you know, like um, whatever the term is for um, uh, cattle or whatever, like whatever Livestock. the term is for raising animals. Lives, thank you. So yeah, we're, we're, we're going to, you know, change our, our agriculture and livestock um, you yeah. know, investments accordingly. That I think could have yeah. real impact, but yeah. So I'm, I'm in favor of that, even if I'm not personally like going to make 
the decision <laughs> to be a vegan. Those Beyond uh, Burgers are pretty and good, you can, though. They are. They are. I have to say, like, I've tried a lot of the different meatless things, and most of them are terrible. Beyond Burgers, though, are, are good. Um, you know, I prefer beef, but... <laughs> I'm really good at cooking meat, which is, I, I think, a disappointment to Elle that I'm not going to be cooking meat anymore. I, I have a real knack for tender, juicy meat dishes. Um, this is sounding dirtier than I meant for it to, but man, whether it's a grill or a stove or even a beef wellington in the oven, I, I'm, I'm good at it. Like, I, I rarely mess up meat. I have, a, I have a strong appreciation for meat, and we've spent years now buying local uh local farms and local slaughterhouses uh that have you know free range cattle and chickens and mm -hmm. we've been very careful about where we get our meat from and that has felt okay to me up to this point suddenly it's not good enough anymore yeah i mean you you, you have to do what you're comfortable with and if you're not comfortable with it you're not i i I do kind of love that irony, though, of the fact that, like, the guy who is the vegetarian for so many years is <laughs> really good at at um, cooking meat. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there there there's a, there's an O Henry aspect to that that I quite enjoy. <laughs> um, did, have have you seen How to Build a Girl? I haven't. Um, it is, uh, it's the movie of the week on iTunes right now. It's a ninety nine cent rental. Okay, so I, I'll I would, rent that. I would recommend rent it and watch it sometime in the next twenty nine days. Uh, we can we can have a chat about it. It's uh, it's pretty good. It won't blow you away, but it's uh, it's the story of a, a based on semi based on true events. I can't remember how they phrased it, but it was basically loosely based on some true events. But a, a young girl in high school who gets a job writing for a rock and roll magazine. And she is suddenly oh, thrust cool. into the world of interviewing rock stars and reviewing bands, and and it, it goes from there. It's it's fun. I like that. So it's kind of a girl version of almost. Yeah. Uh, the I guess the big thing is the story of um, it's a female empowerment story. It's she's she's a a not great looking, very plain looking, overweight high school girl with no friends who finds a way to create a persona that works for her and really, really succeed at it. And at some points too much, you'll see, you'll see. I, I'd love to talk okay. about it. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, um, I'm putting that uh, on my, uh, on my, like, I'm literally like opening up the iTunes app. <laughs> now to find this so i can rent this yeah oh bring it on is on Told it's me. the what tw yeah. 20th anniversary edition i just saw that and i it, feel so you old can Holy buy crap. it to own for like 2.99 right now and every time i see it i'm so close but i've seen it so many times that i don't feel like i need to own it oh but you okay do... that's all i needed to hear i'm gonna go buy it yeah you have to i i would have bought it but i already have so uh i uh but oh you do I it's so love good that movie. I love that movie so much. God, it's also why I love Pitch Perfect because yes. Pitch Perfect is the exact same movie yep. as Bring It On. I agree. Uh, it's the exact same movie, but they both work so well. You cannot say the same for so the much. sequels. Pitch Perfect no, 2 was actually no. pretty good. It had its moments. I thought that Magic Mike 2 was how you do that movie correctly. <laughs> fair, fair. 
No, I mean, genuinely, they were both road trip movies. They were both sequels. Like, they, it was the same plot, but Magic Mike 2, I think, actually worked, whereas Pitch Perfect 2... And then Pitch Perfect 3, you know what? I enjoyed watching it with my with my girlfriends, um, and and I enjoyed, like, the final scene, but whoever tried to put, like, an action movie into that, was right. that was just... That was... Yeah. I mean, I, I I get it. Rebel Wilson is now a lot more famous than when you started and you have to give her more to do and whatnot. But I, I'm not watching an acapella movie to see people jumping from that. Aren't there like 10 Bring It On sequels now? I think so, but I've never watched any of them because to me, they're all straight to video. So yeah, they don't exist. Well, and they are. They are. I, I think I saw one on cable TV at one point and it was just a hollow echo of the genius that was bring it on yeah i think what they did it was they did a similar thing with um the american pie series obviously there were uh i think four uh american pie films that were in theaters um but they had a, a like a huge number of direct-to-video sequels and that that i think eugene levy was the only person that was part of any of it um, and so to me, I'm like, all right, this this is not in any way related. Like, this is this is not part of canon. And I think with Bring It On, they didn't even have, there was no one who was from the first film in any of the sequels. It's kind of like the Mean Girls sequel. It's like, this literally does not have anything to right. do with it and is just the studio trying to expand on the licensing. And, and there's nothing else. Someone should so, make a sequel yeah, I think to Heather's that's not Mean Girls. Uh, agreed. Although, agreed. Mean Girls and actually, really is the sequel to Heather's. It's the nicer version of Heather's. Yeah. I mean, it's so much. I mean, the, the thing is, and I've said this probably on this podcast before, you could not make Heather's today <laughs> and release, you, period. No, no you, you couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, uh, you, you couldn't have done it probably five or six years after Heather's came out, to be totally honest. Like, honestly, the the way that they deal with suicide and you know murder and i mean the whole blase nature of it especially once school shootings started to happen there's no way you could have made that film so like certainly not post columbine but i think probably post whatever the arkansas yeah. one was was probably when you wouldn't have been able to make heathers anymore um they did try to do it as a tv show that was horrible no did you see this okay so the Paramount Network, um, which used to be Spike TV, and then it became, I, I don't know, it's had a bunch of iterations, but now it's the Paramount Network. They bought and decided to basically do kind of like a remake of Heathers, except all the Heathers, instead of being like beautiful, popular girls, were still these, you know, bitchy, you know, like people who ran the school, but like one was, um, you know, non-binary. One was like a queer... Yeah. Um, a person of color one was like you know really like butch like like fat you know a uh, girl like you know th they were all like these kind of like different types of things which i guess on its face is sort of interesting but at the same time it's kind of not like at the same time i i kind of don't know like i i get the point of like feeling like you're empowering people by being like oh these people who don't look you know uh, the stereotypical like white plastic thing can be the people in power but I also don't know if we're quite there yet to essentially vilify those types of people, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. Um, so it, so it, it didn't work. Um, also, it tried too hard. They had to completely change, obviously, the language and, you know, some of the, uh, the, the, the content. 
but even with all the changes they made that watered it down completely after um i think it was the the new zealand um uh uh mass murder and terrorism act they were that was when they were airing the show and they had to burn it off and they had to basically stop airing it and edit things significantly and so even the very poor attempt at doing a woke version of heathers and let's just say this right now you don't need a woke version of heathers you don't need any sort of remake of heathers it does not need to exist but the woke version was especially bad and especially i think just poorly done um even the woke version of heathers was too controversial for them to continue doing so they had to edit it and, and it was just a complete disaster so uh yeah, uh, Heather's could never be made again. What's interesting, Winona Ryder for many, many years, like really wanted a sequel because um, uh, Daniel Waters, who wrote it or uh, direct, wrote, directed like, the, the first film, uh, he, um, I guess, had been working on something and she was really, really interested in having something come together. But I just don't think there's, you know, there's any way you, you can do anything that would even do it justice. You know, like it's just. How do you know all this stuff? I I read is <laughs> like is, you know you know stuff about everything. Like I don't understand the breadth, the depth of knowledge you have <laughs> about a breadth of topics. It's crazy. You're brilliant. You're a brilliant woman. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I I just have a good memory. Uh, I, honestly, that's that's just it. I just have a yeah, good memory. Yeah, but you you remember things that I wouldn't be interested enough in and I'm not I'm not saying that to be mean, but like you Sure. You obviously are interested enough to pick up the information to begin with, and then you remember it. Me, I would yes. never even consider uh, like finding that information, let alone forgetting it. Right. Yeah, no, I am. Um, if I can find an interest in something, and that's the key, if I can find like a genuine interest in it, then I will usually go overboard in learning everything <laughs> I can about it. And then I'm lucky enough to usually have a, a good memory for being able to retain and understand it. And uh, Heather's is like one of my favorite movies ever. Okay. So, so it wasn't that, very, that's, it's not that you know that much about every movie. You just happen to know that much no. about Heather's. Okay. Exactly. Although we've proven time and again that, that you have that kind of knowledge about things I wouldn't never Lots have of things. guessed. Uh, it's look what can i say i i'm i'm an eclectic person brett <laughs> i do have a wide range of interests uh that's 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 you for do. sure and but me yeah. i'm the gen xer who just complains about everything well you don't complain about everything you just like you hate I everything don't, though that's the thing is i i know you I don't i know you a don't a lot of stuff i just i grew up in an environment where it was super uncool to care about anything to care and yeah Apathy was what you had to, you had to pretend to be apathetic, but you're not like apathetic. This whole generation of foodies and beer snobs could not have happened in Gen X. Like it just wasn't cool enough oh, to no. care that much about anything. Okay. P homework for us both, because I haven't watched this movie in a long time, but I have historically loved it. And, but I'm not Gen X. And so my love of it was from the person who grew up in some ways aspiring to be Gen X because they were cool when I was young. And, and then when I saw it, when I was older, in some ways, like having a, a different appreciation of it and, and actually kind of rooting for the different characters, but we should watch reality. Oh, it's bites. been a long time. But yeah. Yeah. No, I could use a refresher on reality bites. Uh, that, that, it, you know, I remember really enjoying it. Um, ben Stiller directed yeah. that, which is really interesting because most people obviously just think of him as, you know, an actor. 
but he actually is a pretty accomplished was director. Was that the one that had Screaming Trees uh, on the soundtrack? I'm pretty sure. Uh, the soundtrack was really good. There. Um, I, I just remember that one I mean, song. It's, it's, That's literally all I remember. Well, uh, it had the Lisa Loeb song, yeah. Stay. Yeah. Because because Ethan Hawke discovered her or whatever. Um, and those glasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was like she was the it girl. I mean, she was super cute in that video. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we should watch Reality we'll Bites. If you don't have it, if, if you don't have it, I have it on my Plex and I'll, I'll I should invite yeah. you to my Plex anyway. Yeah, we should do that. Sounds good. Should we call it here and save some of these topics for, for next week? Yeah, I think we should. I think we Sounds should. Sounds good. Um, it, yeah. I'm glad we got to do this. It, we've recorded late uh, due to all of your uh, Catalina woes, but I'm 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 glad we pulled it off. I am too. I'm too. This was this was a fun talk, and I'm actually now really excited about watching um, how to build a girl. I, I hope you so, enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. And then to it. get some sleep. Thank you. I will, especially uh, you know, computers are stressful. Uh, but you also get some sleep, and I hope that. I hope that, like, while you're sleeping, that your phone doesn't <laughs> do weird things, because that would be odd. Also, since you've—this is a—I I want you to keep a note of this. I don't know if you dream or not. But since you've spent so much time on the Taylor Swift theme park, I am curious if you have dreams about Taylor Swift and or theme park. I will let you know. I'll let you know how that goes. All right. All right. The system is going down low.